everyone is MMA by Melikin. This is episode 14, climbing up there, and it is UFC 251. This will be a short breakdown. Running behind. Oh my goodness, I'm so oh, I'm so embarrassed. So embarrassed. All right, so starting off with the main event because. I'm running behind. <laughs> I want to run behind, and you guys want to get some input. And I know half of you probably already done put your bets in already. Uh, yeah, and I apologize because that's what the podcast is here to help those who bet. Now, again, you know, please bet responsibly. Uh, it is an addiction. Okay, it is an addiction. Please seek help if you need it, okay? Now, all right, so let's get right into it. Let's right, get right into this main event, obviously. So, both uh, the all three title uh, fights, the fighters made weight on the night. You know, you have to, or else there's no title fight. Jorge passed all of his COVID-19 tests. Uh, we have... It looks like uh, maybe some issues going on with the next two events that proceed after UFC 251. We also had what we have Invicta. Oh, my all time favorite Invicta. Yeah, and league fighting alliance is back as well so it looks like invicta will probably hopefully invicta will be thursday stay third on thursday then lfa friday and ufc saturday that would be fantastic you know that would be truly fantastic all right let's get right into it as all of you know because you already put your bets in because i'm behind <laughs> Uh, Kamar Dean Usman, of course, is the favorite. He's starting out. I had him starting out as a... I didn't have his numbers as far as starting out and then how he ended up now because it started out, of course, him versus Gilbert Burns. He was the minus 210 favorite. I believe he was a lot higher than that. Uh, he started climbing up higher than that. Gilbert Burns, plus 170 underdog. Now, I believe Kamaru Dean is a minus 290 favorite over Jorge Masvidal, who is a plus 230. And here's another thing, too, just on a side note. Whatever you do, always try to check out the weigh-ins. Okay? For so many reasons. One, to understand this if there is the size difference you know we always talk about the numbers I always get the numbers reach all that kind of things but it's really one because because nine times out of ten we're going by the last time we saw a fighter okay and in some situations a lot of people if they the fighter hasn't been in the UFC they don't know much about him at all and then of course what condition is the fighter in at the moment all right so that is so important i think to always check out the uh, weigh-ins okay so uh, and of course see if they may wait and the fight is going to continue 
And of course, so we have Kamal Dean Usman, as everyone should know. He is a proficient wrestler. Grappling coach is Jorge Santiago. And of course, Jorge Santiago is the one who gave him his black belt in jujitsu. Trevor Whitman. Okay, Trevor Whitman. Very important to note because Trevor Whitman is also, because everyone talks about who uh, of the fighter who is also going to be headlining the main card. That is Rose Namahunas, my baby. Trevor Whitman, of course, is her striking coach. So a lot of people who think, you know, that Jorge's known more so for his striking. And, uh, you know, I do still believe that if it is standing that uh, Jorge, you just don't stand and trade punches with him. However, I mean, again, Trevor, uh, so I'm not sure what was going on because Trevor, for some eyeball reason, Rose Namahunas, I mean, he's a striking coach, not necessarily a head. You know, I could see people not necessarily want him for the head coach. But for some eyeball reason, Rose Namahunas moves from Trevor to have Pat Barry as our head coach. Head coach. So bear that in mind if you're betting on that fight. But uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know what's going on with that. Um, Trevor also Donald Cerrone, you know Stipe. So you know, at a certain point, it's only but so obviously at a certain point, it's only but so much he can do. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Okay. So it's a good thing, but at the same time, it's up to the fighters. Because we saw Ant with Stipe, he got, still got knocked out by DC. I think it was mostly because of a mistake he made. Not so far as the training, because Stipe is a... And also, Stipe is not a great example, because he was a boxer. So, you know, before that. So, you know, Division 2, now NWA, NCAA Division 2 wrestling. That's what everyone's talking about right now. Okay. But again, I want people to bear in mind, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. However, as a lot of us uh, hardcores are quick to point out, Jorge prevented from being subbed by, you know, one of the best grapplers in the UFC, which was Damian Maya. So it, it, the same thing may happen. And Jorge, of course, is a grappler in his own right. So, and, uh, Usman does have seven, not one, because a lot of people look at that. Sergio Maria's KO that UFC runs constantly. He does have seven finishes via strikes, not just the one. Okay, so that's another thing to bear in mind. Uh, just the one submission and eight decisions. You know, because uh, you know he's you know he ends up going up against a lot of grapplers so you know there you go because a lot of people are like why well, one thing i can never understand is people are like why didn't he or kobe didn't shoot for a takedown or why wasn't there any takedowns in that fight one you don't talk that much trash to each other and all of a sudden start hugging each other okay no offense but what what kobe was going to do what he was going to try to take a better wrestler sorry but usman's the better wrestler He's going to take the better wrestler down, which would have probably resulted in him getting subbed. He's going to try to take down a black belt in jiu-jitsu? I think not. Okay, I think not. Okay, don't, don't look. 
Curtis Blades, you know, beautiful takedowns. He goes up against a black belt in jiu-jitsu. He's probably going to get caught in a guillotine, but especially in that division, which he really probably won't have to worry about, but still, get caught in a guillotine, and his ass is going to get choked to sleep. No, 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 no. That, that, I don't, I've never understood that. <laughs> what? No. You don't shoot for a takedown against Usman. That's, that's, that's high comedy. Anyway, this man right here is, has been on a win streak since his second defeat, which was his only defeat, way back at CFA 11. Uh, which was the only submission, uh, which was his only submission loss. and Well, only loss, and it was by submission. Never KO'd and never lost by decision. So that's another thing that people need to bear in mind. This man could not be outpointed. By, well, I mean, he ended up getting finished by Kobe Covington. He was getting outpointed, though. Uh, I was about to say didn't, but he was getting outpointed by Kobe. And, of course, we saw what he did to Tyron Woodley. This man has gone up against some very, I mean, of course, that win over Leon Edwards, to me, haunts Leon to this day. Okay. 11th fight, one streak in the UFC. 15 fight, one streak since that loss. And, of course, he is, overall, he is 16-1. and one. 77.5 inch reach for the Nigerian Nightmare, 73 for Jorge Masvidal. Plus, as you all saw, Jorge is six feet tall. Jorge, I thought he was five foot eleven. He looks like he's like five foot ten though. Stand next to, uh, I don't know, maybe they had sneakers on or something like that. But uh, yeah, as far as I know, Jorge is five foot eleven. But uh, you know, still. You know, um, not much of a height difference there, but that is a reach difference there. Okay, so that could play. Um, and again, <laughs> reach. I mean, didn't mean anything. Didn't help Rose Namajunas. Didn't help Max Holloway. So I'm not even going to dwell on that. <laughs> and another thing I wanted to add also, experience. You know, it's only but so much that a training coach can teach a fighter. Okay, especially ones who are in their 30s, because when you're in your 30s, you start getting kind of set in your ways. You, you know, you get set in your ways, and, you know, it's hard to break fighters out of old habits. But um, it is hard to get around experience. That's another reason why I don't care who the coach is. It's going to be very difficult for anyone to get in there and bang with Jorge. He just has entirely too much experience. I think that Usman is going to have to stand to try and set up the takedowns because he's not going to surprise someone who themselves has a wrestling background. And just on a side note, uh, Jorge's father um, left Cuba, according to Masvidal, left Cuba and became uh, a drug trafficker. And... Um, was in prison for more than 20 years for manslaughter. So I think some of that kind of machismo kind of influences, you know, that's where Masvidal gets it from. Plus, I mean, hanging out with Kimbo, <laughs> you know, in his backyard. So I don't think, so a lot of what he's doing, I think like it's, 
like Scarface is something that's easily identifiable, but a lot of what Jorge does, I think, is him. You know, I just a slight, maybe a slight as uh, exaggeration, but I think it's all him. I don't think that's an act at all. You know, with a lot of these fighters, I don't think it's an act. I think it's just them. Now, his submission grappling for Jorge was a long time ago. Okay, I'll 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 admit that it was a long time ago. You know, uh, 2002, Niagara, Florida State's third place. Uh, N A G A. I'm sorry. Uh, N-A-G-A, Florida States. Uh, I think that was, oh man, I think, so that's like 19 he was, 18, 19 years old. Um, it is listed as teen, so I think he was like 18, 19 years old. Uh, continued 2003, Nationals lightweight, uh, placed second place, um, placed second, uh, FGA, Southeast Challenge 2, uh, lightweight champion, that was in 2003. And uh, Chicago Pro-Am second place, and that was 2004. Okay, so I know it's a long time ago, but still, he does have a grapp- He does have grappling in there somewhere in his uh, list of uh, in his arsenal, and of course, Yoel Romero. I can't stress that enough because a lot of people are like, well, you hang out with somebody, you can't learn anything. Like this dude, something. Look, you don't stop a Damian Maya prevent Damian Maya multiple times from a rear naked choke because you're some sort of a striker. <laughs> okay, it doesn't work like that. Okay, it doesn't work like that. We've seen, we watched uh, Mike Perry get subbed by a black belt in jiu-jitsu and Donald Cerrone. All right, as soon as it was going bad, he got subbed. All right, and, and his arm wasn't broken, but you know, it, it, was, it was messed up. So, yeah, you know, it's it's you don't, no. How many strikers we've seen go down and just were lost? Just completely lost. Didn't know what they were doing. And this was against blue belts or, you know, I mean, purple belt makes sense. But come on now. <laughs> like, you know, in trouble with brown belts, etc. Like, no, 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 no. You can't. He, the, the background is there. Just because he doesn't use it. Again, look at uh, Usman. He only has one submission victory. You know, everything else is pretty much by decision, but that, again, it, it goes by the competition. And the same with Jorge, it goes by the competition. You know, so, and of course he tends, he wants to, every fighter wants to lean to their strengths, okay? And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, like, everyone keeps stressing, you know, keep going over about this double-digit losses. I'm like, look, to man right now, fighting for a championship he was supposed to fight for a championship in the first place it shouldn't you know technically it shouldn't have been Gilbert Burns but then he fought Tyron Woodley and here we are but really it should have been him um, he's only finished once via KO via strikes only sub twice okay only sub twice his losses all came by decision all came for the most part not all but you know the majority of the, his losses 10 were by decision so people need to bear that in mind and of course Kamar Dean can certainly I mean his victories are by decision so of course he can win by decision I believe that in this matchup that uh, Usman will you know as everyone else has said just the best road is I think he does need to strike a little bit uh, just don't you can't get blasted hard 
And, uh, and he has to get his footwork together because Gilbert, Gilbert is going to throw. He's going to throw everything at him. He's going to strike. He's going to bang. He's going to be throwing those bombs, that bomb that knocked out Damian Maya. He's going to, and I mean grappling, he's, going, he's the elite grappler between the two. Now, Usman, of course, is the better wrestler, but, man, it leans to the side. He's going up against, again, I'm not sure if Gilbert, I think I mentioned second degree black, but I'm not sure if he's second degree or third degree because, you know, things change. If he leans to the, if so much as leans to the side, Gilbert will sub him, even Kamaral Dean. So uh, he actually, <laughs> he, he's, you know, I'm not, you know, Jorge isn't necessarily a, uh, a, a better fight for him, an easier fight for Usman. I think that he's easier it's easier to predict most of what he was doing. I do believe that Jorge will have a plan going in. He had a plan for all three of his victories so far. Well, I'm not sure about Darren Till one. I think Darren Till one was just simply Darren just trading punches too long. <laughs> just standing up entirely too long. And he himself should have wrestled. Uh, he should have wrestled um, in that matchup. I, I, he's just standing up too long. To me, I don't think that was necessarily a plan because, you know, this is someone who can counter punch, and that's something that Usman needs to be leery of, okay? And of course, as everyone knows, Jorge is three and two in his last five on a three, on an amazing three, as far as I'm concerned, it is an amazing three fight win streak. All right, I favor, I of course favor Usman in this matchup, but I would not be surprised if Jorge knocks him out cold let's move on to the next fight on this card and yeah i usually climb from bottom to the top but i'm late <laughs> i'm late so yeah i am i believe that kamaral dean will retain his welterweight title next up for flyweight and that championship title we have alexander volkanovsky in a rematch that uh yeah I just, uh, I hate that, man. I hate that. It just, it's not necessarily the need to get to the back of the bus, but it's like, get a fight in there. When you, when a fighter, it reminds this room, the irony of this fight, of Rose fighting on the same main car is, this is how I felt with that fight between her and Yuana Yamjechek. When you're beaten at your own game, go back get another fight with someone completely in like a different range you know because it's yeah because you know it's what adjustments what's the adjustments that can be made can't go to the ground so what's the adjustments that can be made i don't uh, anyway so yeah i mean like I'm, look I love max holloway but I'm going to say it right from the door. It's not happening, man. Because what's he going to do? Because the thing is, it's like he didn't have another plan for Dustin Poirier. And I know a lot of people say, oh, because he's, you know, Dustin's so mighty. No, 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 no. No. Okay. We watched Dustin lose. Okay. He's not, invo he's not invisible. It makes no sense. He literally went in there and basically did the same damn thing over again. All right. That's... 30s, man. That's why I harp on age. Age is important, man. Age is so important. You know, like like Jorge, you know, 
37, usually that's, you know, you're in that decline. I mean, but he's been staying in amazing shape. And I think that he just, it's a lot about him that's been rejuvenated. But, you know, and, and I mean, Max isn't 30 yet. 28, but I swear he's acting like a 30-year-old where he's not making enough adjustments. He's depending on the same technique. He thinks he's making adjustments, but he's really coming in with the same technique, a technique that he lost you know, more than once. Like, what the hell? Anyway, I'm stuck. Okay, I'll stop. I digress. Alexander Volkanovsky, the new featherweight champion, 21 and 1. You know, I warn folks. I warn folks, man. I don't care if the victories came primarily outside the UFC. When someone rolls up in there with 20 victories, okay, 20, 17, 18, 19, I don't care where it was at. You need to pay attention to that person. And I said that, I warn people, Jean Wei Lee. And now here we have Alexander Volkanovsky. Now, now the champions. Look, and it's not like it wasn't anybody in the division. Now I can see if it was a, you know a, a division with barely any competition, but here they are, world champions. Former and much like Jean Wei Lee, former champions. I don't care if it was if the belt was from Walmart, some Walmart championship. You know what I mean? MMA fight card or whatever the case may be. Okay. I don't care. A belt is a belt. Okay. Former AFC featherweight champion. And now, of course, UFC champion. Former Cage Conquest welterweight champion. Former Pacific Extreme Combat champion. Most people will laugh at this. I know. Most people will laugh at that, but he's the UFC champion, isn't he? Yeah. Okay. He's. I'm telling you, he's going to beat Max again. And even if by some stretch of the imagination Max wins, it got to be a trilogy fight, and Volk is going to get his belt back. Sorry. All right. It's former uh, Wollongong Wars lightweight champion. Now look at these. Now with the championships, notice the weight classes. Notice the weight class because everyone kept harping about how he was. 200 pounds, you know, way back in the day. Well, check out these weight classes. You know, uh, Rashambo, MMA lightweight and welterweight champion. Okay, the man is only five foot six. <laughs> okay, one gold medal at the Australian National School Wrestling Competition. I know that doesn't seem like a lot, but here's the thing I want to say about before I get into the little details about uh, bulk. Alexander the Great has a long history as a champion because he thinks as a champion. He had a, if you listen to him talk, he had a different plan against each top opponent he faced in the UFC. And I mean, he had one for Max. He'll have one for Max again. And that's something that's hard to get around. That's something that's hard to get around. I think some of these fighters, I believe that there's a chance that they could lose because they just don't. They're going off a of talent. Not uh, Amanda Habas. I would not be surprised. I know people like Pedro and Zant. Are you serious? I, I wouldn't be surprised because the whole thing is a bad plan. 
the whole thing when it starts out off as a black, bad plan to begin with and yes this that is a bad plan i get into that a little bit later now volk 71 inch reach uh, which mean you know again reach means absolutely nothing 18 fight win streak since his loss to Corey nelson brown belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu under joe lopez 11 finishes via strike three submissions seven victories by decision all right like he he's not some dude that just showed up okay max blessed holloway i mean do i really need to go into any details i mean everyone knows about max holloway i think he's one of the few fighters that everyone even filthy casuals have watched fight for a long period of time been a pro mma fighter since the age of 19 folks lost to dustin poirier as i point out in what will be his only submission loss of his career in his fourth fight 20 year one now if i if my math is correct he was 21 years old, Max Holloway, when he lost to Conor McGregor. Because Conor will make you think like, yeah, I'll beat him if you beat him. And his fans, you know, it's like you beat a 21-year-old, bro. <laughs> you know, come on, man. And that's not a big gap between their ages, but still, bro, you beat a 21-year-old. Like, stop it, man. Stop it. Uh, and that was by unanimous, unanimous decision. Because there's another thing. The fans make you think Conor McGregor just knocked everybody out who he came in front of. And that was at UFC Fight Night one, fight Night 26 way back in August 17, 2013. Won the UFC featherweight title January 3rd, 2017 at UFC 212 in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Defended this title three times. Tied second longest win streak in UFC history of 13 with the likes of John Jones, Demetrius Johnson, and Rush St. Pierre. Longest win streak in the UFC featherweight division history, 14. Three and two is last five. Lost his title December 14, 2019. Now, again, remember the loss to Dustin. That was different weight class, okay? So yeah, and former X1 lightweight champion, and of course he lost his fight, uh, lost his title last year, December 14, 2019. As everyone on the planet knows, all right. Uh, yeah, like I said, man, I, I think Alexander's, you know, this this isn't going to be a any much of a different fight. Uh, well, he, you know, there's he's talking about going for a finish. Yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. You got well. Hey, look, Volk. He he's had a plan. He he knew exactly what his opponents would do, and he outdid them. And he talked about the Chad Mendez fight and how Jose Aldo fight. You know, you got to watch out for this. He knew exactly what everyone was saying that he needed to watch out for, in terms of offense, and that's exactly what he did, and he won. He had a plan going in the video. Everyone's kind of a few people whining about uh, him practicing out pointing. Listen, a smart fighter, just in case he can't get the knockout, because I doubt he'll be able to sub Max Holloway. So, of course, it's the knockout, which I doubt. I highly doubt. But, yeah. Just in case he can't get the knockout, how do we win this fight via decision? Rose Namajunas did that in her second fight against Joanna Yumjacek. Scored the takedown, 
just to, she knew she was already winning. She knew she could win. She was already winning. And she just did the, you, you know, scored that takedown just to seal the deal, just to make sure it went into her favor. A lot of fighters do that. They'll just go in there. And Rose did that against uh, Jessica Andrade. She scored the, uh, she got that, you know, takedown. It was a takedown on her um, that she stopped, you know, with the Kamara and everything. And then she herself scored a takedown just to make sure that she sealed the deal and got the numbers in her because everyone knows takedowns sometimes they count for a large amount large amount of points and sometimes they don't count at all it depends on the judges but yeah just to seal the deal so I, I don't see any reason why was anything wrong with Volk that's what Max does what the hell it's a silly thing to argue about Alexander Volkanovski now the numbers I had opening he was a minus 205 I'm sure those have changed by now and Max at a plus 160 people. Next up, fighting for the Bantamweight title, which everyone on the planet has seems to be complaining about. I might look, be glad, man. Because I was, if I was the ruler of UFC, yeah, I said just like that, the ruler of UFC, this wouldn't be going on at all. There's no way I will have title fights for, during a pandemic. There's no, because there's no way in the world. First of all, there's no way in the world. Any of these fighters are 100%. We've seen fighters on this. So many fighters miss weight. Uh, so many fighters, thankfully, agreeing on catch weight because they're, for the most part, particularly with the men, two different divisions. Well, not just men, uh, men uh, women. I think with the women is different because many of them have been able to move to the different division, even on short notice. Because I guess, you know, then they, for the most part, they're probably walking around like Hannah Cyphers. I don't think she's walking around necessarily at 125. But we know a lot of these fighters cut weight. So, you know, it probably wasn't a big deal for her to go up to flyweight at short notice. Very, very short notice. Same with the Manus Hibah situation. Um, it seems like a lot of women have been able, either they just plain missed or they've been able to move to the next weight. But a lot of times with the male fighters, it seems like they're, you know, you have band on, you know, say band on weight, uh, featherweight or something like that, where it's like, look, I can't cut down and other guys like ah, I want to move back up too far we've seen that with with Herbert Burns you know he isn't really comfortable at 155 so I think he's still trying to figure that whole situation out so he just agreed on the catch weight at 150 if I remember correctly so you know I mean I, I well, things like that like look which I think is great it's fantastic but that's look 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 look, look what's happening yeah, people from two different divisions trying to step in and face each other. God knows what's going to happen. Bets have been all over the place. People have been leaving money on the table. Uh, I try to give as much advice as possible, but hey, you know, it's a pandemic. Quarantine has messed a lot of people up. God knows what they've done to these fighters. Look, if it's up to me, none of these fights. If the fights went on, it would be. It certainly wouldn't be some three. In a two weeks time, I understand. I think they're trying to get the fights in when they're in certain locations, just as many as possible. And they have a lot of fighters stepping up. No, it, it probably would be the same three fights, but it would still be week to week. It wouldn't be this three, you know, I, well, you know, I don't want to complain because watching fights on a Wednesday is, is kind of fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Okay. But yeah, so stop complaining. Stop complaining. All right.
I mean, Pityon has a chance to become champion. Pityon has a chance to become champion. Like, come on, 14-1. Come on, y'all, stop complaining. Anyway, it's 27-year-old. 27-year-old, no mercy, people. So, Petr Ivajinovich Jan. Ha! There we go. <laughs> 27-year-old, blue belt and Brazilian jiu-jitsu, six finishes via strikes, one submission, seven decisions. Nine fight, one streak with a extensive background in boxing. And that nine fight, one streak continued after his loss to Megamed. Mega Madoff, uh, and that, that fight, I mean, he was the favorite, and uh, not Peter, but uh, Mega Madoff, uh, you know, going up against an elite grappler, it, it was just a tough fight for him, tough fight for him, wasn't a bad loss at all, and I believe that's, a re it doesn't, it's not listed as a rematch, but I believe that was a rematch, by the way, so, you know, he's going up against someone who was familiar with him, it's kind of like his nemesis, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like his, uh, you know, I, I don't know what's a good way to uh, compare it, but uh, yeah, just someone who's just tough on all around. Um, Cause all he had to do really make him made off was get a, sh you know, striking and, and know what to expect from Jan. And, uh, yeah. You know, so that, that was a tough, uh, tough fight for him. Uh, six and one in the UFC, former ACB Bantamweight champion. Uh, now I've seen him listed at five foot seven, with sixty-seven inch reach. I'd have him, him and uh. Well, I'm not even gonna get into that. <laughs> and he's going against a legend. As far as I'm concerned, legend among legends, Jose Aldo de Silva Oliveira. Jr. The fourth and final WEC featherweight champion and of course became the first because of that transition there became the first UFC featherweight champion after the merger ranked six now in bantamweight fighting for the championship 33 years old now you know I get I harp on age but 33 now he 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 is if there was a 33-year-old with wear, with a whole lot of wear, with a whole, you know, uh, it would be this 33-year-old. However, a 33-year-old is not, 33 isn't 43, okay? It's it's not, you know what I mean? Like, when you get over the 35-year-old mark, then it's like, okay, you got to start making some decisions. And that's why Jorge is always money first, title second, because, look, he, he wants to make sure he gets paid. And if need be, have fights scheduled, whether he loses or not, because he's not dumb. He's not dumb. Because everyone from here on out is going to be a tough fight. So, uh, and Jose, you know, 33 is not old. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's he's had his issues. He's had his issues, but it's, he's had his issues with great fighters and fighters who have had the luxury of watching him fight for a long period of time. Now, one important note about Jose Aldo, black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu under Andre Pedernares. 
competed in the World Jiu-Jitsu Championships in 2001, winning bronze. He won gold at the 2003 Brazilian National Jiu-Jitsu Championships in 2003 as a purple belt. Man owns the most successful title defenses in the UFC featherweight his history. Is on a two-fight. Uh, well, he um, he law He's on a two-fight losing streak. Although many believe he actually beat Marlon Moraes. I believe that's uh, Dana White's thought process, which is why Jose is being was offered this fight. And that was, of course, that fight with Moraes was, of course, at UFC 245, 2-3 two and three in his last five, 10 and, and 5 in the UFC, 17 finishes via strikes, 1 submission, 10 by decision, finished by Mike, Max Holloway uh, and Connor once. He fell victim to a rear naked choke back at Jungle Fight 5 in 2005 by Luciano Azevedo. Ironically, the two men who defeated Jose Aldo successfully fight after the legendary former champion. And this legend is, of course, the plus 180. Well, he opened at a plus 180 favorite. A lot of the numbers haven't changed between opening and recent. So, uh, you know, but I know it's different, you know, wherever you go. Slight difference wherever you, depending on where you go to place your bets. Uh, and it's not just for betting. I don't. Uh, I don't just do that for the betting, for betting purposes. It's so that, um, you know, because you hear that, um, especially with the announcement announcers and the commentating team, they'll bring that up a lot. You know, he's the underdog, especially John. John brings that up a lot. Um, well, he, you know, that's his. You know, that's his, what he does, and um, it's very important. Very important because uh, a lot of people don't. They forget that, say, Jean, like who I mentioned earlier, Jean Wei she was an underdog against Jessica Andrade. And Jessica has been a huge favorite in many of her fights. Uh, and Aldo here, very important note that here he is the underdog. He has been an underdog a long time. I think uh, Holloway, obviously, particularly in the rematch. Uh, not sure about the Volkanowski fight. But, uh, yeah. So that this would be big deal huge deal if he defeated the minus 230 favorite Jan and became champion once again in a different division so that this is going to be this is a huge this you know no offense to Jan but if he wins this is business as usual because he probably is going to become the champion eventually no matter what but I, I really don't like didn't like his chances against uh, uh, Captain Crunch but uh, <laughs> Captain Cringe, <laughs> Triple C, huh? Yeah, uh huh, whatever. Cringe. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I believe it's Amanda Hibas. Some say Ribas. Uh, I believe that's, that's it. But yeah, let's get into. Um, Jessica Andrade. And I was thinking about Amanda Hibas because she was uh, her, was her, Jessica Andrade, and uh, Jose Aldo showing up at the uh, at the airport. It was just uh, cool to see those three together. Always cool to see fighters together. But let's get into this, okay? All right. So let me let me see if I can nail this. Okay, I believe it's actually Jessica Andrade, Basie Esteca. 
I believe that's how you actually pronounce it. Okay. Powell Driver. One of my favorites. One of my favorites in this company. She's only five foot one. Uh, she's listed as five foot one and a half. I believe she's only like five foot one. She graduated not too long ago to a. She uh, graduated to black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Very, very, very important because a lot of people keep thinking that. And I think that uh, Rose will score a submission. But uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, because she had the Gamora. Didn't work, did it? <laughs> Listen, it didn't work for a reason. One, she didn't have it. You know, second time, you know, Jessica made an adjustment to make sure that, you know, her head was kind of tucked in better so she can hoist her up. But uh, yeah, no, it's not going to work. Okay, sorry. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but uh, it's not going to work. Okay. So subs are out. Subs are out. Okay. No, um, what Rose needs to do is keep her distance, period. Footwork, keep her distance. My issue with her is her cardio. Okay. Rose has suspect cardio. She did very well against Joanna Yumjacek, but she knew, you know, Joanna's limited. She's a Muay Thai fighter. Pretty much all she does is Muay Thai. All Rose had to watch out for was range, and she knows how to use her own range. Wasn't much of reach advantage that meant absolutely nothing. And height, to me, height and reach, I add those two together. Jessica, unfortunately, that's been a recurring problem for her is that's because she's so, so short. Uh, she's, and, you know, she doesn't have the longest arms in the world. You know, she... Uh, Always has to get under range for the most part, except in a few cases. Um, Carolina Kopukevich, Claudia Gadelia wasn't much, you know. <laughs> Boy, what a beat down that was. Uh, to see a Torres, of course, didn't have to worry about reach there. She really only had to worry about in strawweight division. You want AMJ check, and of course, um, to me, it wasn't a reach situation, uh, with, even though she beat Angela Hill. It, then again, you want to see a good fight. That's a good fight. Stop disrespecting Andrade. All right, that was a good fight. And, of course, also one of her victims is, of course, JoJo. Joanne Calderwood, she, who lost via submission, guillotine choke. And Jessica Pine, of course, um, was a victim there. Was her first victim when she debuted in strawweight. And since then, Andrade has been 7-2. and two. And she's only lost to Ioana, who's the champion at the time, and now current champ, Jean Wei Lee. One of it's not my, you know, I have my kind of, because uh, everyone has, you know, you have the favorite fighters and they have the all-time favorite fighters. Just someone who I completely stand so much that is S-T-A-N, uh, not can't stand, stand favor, support, Rose Namahunas. Ver Rose Gertrude Namahunas. Yeah, and yeah, no, don't worry, I'm with y'all. The Pat Berry thing, which again, I reiterate, remember, he's her head coach now. I don't... Yeah. I just, uh, I don't lovers or, you know, people who are, I just don't think they make good coaches. I don't think it's helping uh, Michelle Waterson between her and her husband. I think he's her 
boxing coach. Uh, and it's certainly not because, of course, uh, Michelle is going to, you know, she's under Jackson Wink. So, <laughs> you know, what I mean, if she doesn't listen to them, any of them. Well, I, you know, whether it's Mike Brown or someone else, it's, she's a fool. OK, but obviously she will. But, yeah, I think her, her husband, though, is like her boxing coach or whatever. Eh, not a good idea. And I don't think this is going to be a good idea either. So, eh, you know, I'm like Pat Barry. Eh. Well, black belt in Taekwondo. She is a black belt in karate, something she does utilize. Brown belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which won't help her at all. I'm sorry, it won't. Rose is three and two in her last five, as everyone should know. Rose is two and zero oh against Joanna Young J J. Ah, that never gets old. Never will never get old. I'm sorry, it won't. Okay. She also has a victory, uh, Doug Rose over JoJo called the word Joanne. Jojo Calderwood. I know, like I know, you're like why do you keep bringing that up, man? <laughs> you know, she's a she's a top fighter. She's a top fighter. You know what the hell? She's fighting for the championship. Well, supposed to be anyway. I don't know who knows what's going on in that division. And she, you know, and that was at strawweight. Yeah. You know, so and another thing too. Uh, so it was the amateur matches for because you know the UFC. Ultimate Fighter and now Contender Series are considered amateur fights, but she did. Uh, Thug Rose did have. Uh, she went four and zero. King of Cage matches, and she her first match uh, at amateur on top of the amateur was a North American Fight Championships. And there's another reason why, you know, I don't. I don't understand the putting fighters who are already amateurs into a more amateur situation, they lose to someone who has experience that shouldn't have been in the amateur competition in the first place, Carl Esparza. You know, you know, I see, I see the, like between ultimate fighter and the contender series. I'm like, why are some of these people here? And then they lose. And then it's like, and then when they want to let them go, oh, well, you lost, so that's your cue to go. Then all of a sudden, people start, and they wonder why people start laughing at him and ridiculing him. Like, are you crazy? Because he lost to someone who she really should have lost to. And all of a sudden, you know, they're a clown now. They should be, what, go to where? Back to Invicta, where they came from? Bellator. So that helps Bellator out. And everyone keeps saying, and then the same thing, like, what's going on with one championship? Yeah, oh, that's great, but gee, if Angela, if Angela Lee was there, you know, it's like, come on. Oh, Stamp Fairtex was there. It's like, come on. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, and look, look what happened. Look what happened. Even though, even with the loss to Carl Esparza, she ended up being, becoming strawweight champion. Like, come on now. It's ridiculous. You know, I just, I don't like, like developmental, like when it comes to anything that's supposed to be developmental, to me, that should be outside. That should be jujitsu competitions. That should be Muay Thai competitions. That should be boxing competitions. Not this at all. But anyway, I digress. One of the things I miss talking about with Andrade, not that it matters, but she went four and three in bantamweight. And it's just hard to get around that band and weight 
power, 20 and 7 overall. They both are the same age. Another key factor there. So whatever room for improvement that Rose makes, Andrade is well, you know, 20 years old. She can make adjustments as well. Also, another key factor with uh, Powell Driver is that she is the first woman to score a one-punch KO in the UFC. Seven total finishes via strikes, seven submissions, six decisions. Really, look, the all-around fighter, I mean, I know most people lean to Rose. Rose has outstanding boxing skills because Rose is a perfect example of what boxing should be, even in MMA. Head movement. I mean, she mostly moves her entire body out of the way and kind of tries to block her head. It's not like she has a lot of head movement, but moves her entire body. Her footwork is outstanding. Some of the best footwork in uh, the UFC, as far as I'm concerned. Not just the women's division, but the UFC, period. Now, before I forget, I want to add this and then I'm going to conclude that uh, Nam Hunez, of course, is a minus 205. Andrade is a plus 165, which is stupid to me. Those are stupid numbers. They're dumb. She won. How is, she, how is the person who won the underdog? It's ridiculous. Okay, that's dumb. Listen, was it a fluke? No. It wasn't a fluke. It was a mistake by Rose Namahunas. She had absolutely no business going, thinking that she could tie in a Kimura with the strongest woman in the division with a bantamweight. Okay. Michelle Waterson referred to Andrade as a monster and said, because she's a bantamweight lurking around in strawweight. She has destroyed anyone who is a high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner. To see a Torres karate fighter meant nothing. She mowed down to see a Torres and Claudia Gedalia the same exact way she did Rose Namahunas. The only difference was she got so pissed and tired of being getting tagged by Rose that she decided to drop her on her head instead of just on her back as she's done all the other women in the past because she just wanted to really get them on the ground so she can get some ground and pound going because she figured that was the best way to neutralize them. And I mean, we're talking about someone who neutralized a second degree black belt, former world champion in jiu-jitsu. If a second degree black belt who was a former world champion in jiu-jitsu couldn't do anything with Andrade, there's no nothing that a brown belt or I think Rose might have made it up to purple belt. It's not a damn thing. She can do about it. Okay? You do not even get into a situation. There is no, oh, she can go for the submission. There is no, none of that. There's no ground game here against Power Driver. There is no such thing. No one has been able to, to stop her in that regard, and no one will. That's not how Magnum won. Rose needs to wake up to the Rose and fans. I love Rose and Deb. They need to wake up to the fact that this woman, these two women, Andrade, who may end up being the second, second, that wall, that person that everyone has to face in order to get to Magnum, that is going to be a nightmare. Because I'm going to tell you, a lot of these women in this division aren't getting past Andrade. They're not. Especially the grapplers. Kay Hansen. She's done, period. Oh, maybe, you know, if 
Andrade gets injured or retires. Otherwise, she's done. She'll destroy her. Rose is a five foot five flyweight who got lifted up and tossed on her head. The rest won't stand a chance. Speaking of the rest, I include Amanda Habaz and Paige Van Zandt. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, she can. Rose thought she can. You know, real not the sad thing to Rose, and I stop harping on it. She, I believe, thinks that she thinks that she can just style on people, and that's enough. She claims she thinks about finishing fights and that she tries to finish fights and that she's good at finishing fights. She lost. Because she thinks, to me, styling on people versus finish. Because what was the plan? Just keep tagging her in the face? How would you want to knock her out if you just tagging her, in her, in her on her eyebrow? <laughs> yeah, you got to cut. <laughs> yeah, okay, whatever. Now, I think that's what she thinks. She's going to style on people, and that's enough. And I do believe that Amanda Habaz, to a certain extent, just keeps tagging a person, wins by decision, and that's enough. It's not. Now, speaking of accomplished grapplers, who, even though she's accomplished, I think she will get smoked by Andrade on the ground as well. Amanda Hibas, who, as she said, was born on the mat, born inside of a gym, she is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at such a young age, primarily because she's been training since she was born. Her father is Marcelo Habas, a Judo and Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu teacher. I was born on the mat, as she says. It was for me. There was a time when I stopped doing Jiu-Jitsu to dance. My father wanted to die. <laughs> she is the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation Women's Flyweight Champion 2014. She scored that. She went 6-1 prior to signing with the UFC. Okay, three finishes via strikes, three submissions, three decisions. Her only loss was when she got murked by Pollyanna Viana. She's holding her head up too high, and she got caught. And I mentioned that on a response in a tweet about Paige Van Zandt, you know, how possibly she could win. Her boss kind of holds her heads up too high like a typical grappler. Many grapplers have that issue. No matter how good a strikers they may be, they have that kind of issue of holding their head up just a tad too high and no head movement at all. And she's one of those individuals, as good as she has been. And she's been good against women who, in many cases, primarily grapplers. You know, Randa Marcos likes to strike, she likes to bang, but she's primarily a wrestler. And Mackenzie Dern... Her striking is mediocre, okay? It's, it's not even... I think she can be a good striker if she put the effort into it, and she needs to. I mean, she's an accomplished jiu-jitsu practitioner. It makes no sense for her not to work on her striking. Four fight, one streak for Amanda. And uh, as far as I know, she's with uh, American Top Team. She's also a black belt in judo, which she utilized very efficiently against Mackenzie Dern and Jennifer Gonzalez. Uh... And she won at the end with uh, some ground and pound there. Paige Van Zandt. Yeah. Uh, what's, uh, what's interesting is that both these fights, these women fights, all the women are the same age. Not the same age as each other, but the people that they're competing against are the same age. So like Jessica Andrade and Rose are 28. Here, Amanda Hibaz and Paige Van Zandt are 26 years old respectively, which is interesting. Eight and four for Miss Van Zandt. 12 gauge. 
is a five foot four Habas obviously is five foot five, if not five foot six. Um, 65 inch reach for the purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu under Fabiano Scherner. Two and three in her last five, coming off a win against Rachel Ostevich. Five and three in the UFC, two finishes via strikes, three by submission, three by decision. Uh, eight and four overall for 12 games. She hasn't fought since January 19th, UFC Fight Night 143. Here's some notes on Miss Van Zant. So when Van Zant lost to Michelle Waterson on December 17th, 2006 at UFC on Fox, Van Zant lost her rankings at 12th in the at number 12 in the strawweight division. So apparently Van Zant moved to flyweight. So apparently it was to face Jessica I, which how does she get a fight with Jessica I is beyond me. And that was supposed to be at UFC 216, but Van Zant pulled out, suffering from a herniated disc, sinus infections, <laughs> double ear infection, pink eye and ringworms. So I'm like, good grief, what the hell? Look, I know a lot about herniated disc. It's not enough to all of a sudden. I mean, it's something that you, it's not even really that treatable. You can get surgery or whatever, possibly, but it's, it could be a chronic disorder, but it's not enough to stop one from fighting. You just get into ridiculous shape. Now, there is a good chance that later on, much like myself, that it could um, become worse for sure. But at her age, no. In her fight against now, um, then it was a flyweight match, faced Jessica Rose Clark, UFC Fight Night 124 in St. Louis. In a fight against Clark, she broke her arm in the second round. Van Zant had to pull out of the initial fight with Amanda Habaz, as we all know, March 14, 2020. UFC Fight Night 170 because of a fractured right arm. Randy Marcos stepped in to face Habaz and got snot beaten out of her. UFC Brasilia, which was the first a card we witnessed with no crowd and the start of, you know, at the start of the pandemic. So one of my little issues to uh, cut, stop this here is that Van Zant, when she had called out everyone at the, with the whole Macy Barber situation, called out Starways and Flyways. I remember Antonina Shevchenko and Andrea Lee stepping up from, you know, right from the beginning. And all of a sudden she wants to pick this fight with someone who's been fighting Starway for some time now. So I don't give her a benefit for that. That's part of my issues with her. Um, however, at flyweight, I do think that Van Zant. I don't know if she can hit that switch kick like she did back in the day. Um, but, you know, at flyweight, I think it will be a different situation because Van Zant will have more power. So I don't dismiss her in this matchup. A lot of people have Habaz winning. She is a ridiculous, at last I saw, she was like a minus 800 favorite, uh, plus 600 for Van Zant. You know, I would say slot some money on an underdog. There's a good chance that Van Zandt gets not beaten out of it because it's hard to get over these injuries. But I don't dismiss her at all, okay? Taking a little break and get into the rest of the event. Okay, guys, so going to do the prelim card, same thing, starting off with the headliner. I'm going to go back to the original. If, if I can continue the podcast, because that's still a big, huge if. And I just wanted to say that uh, thanks to everyone who has listened this entire time. Thanks to whoever listens to this one today. Uh, and again, I apologize for being entirely too late because everyone is running out trying to get their food together and everything. So, yeah, um, just apologize for being so late. I wanted to do the podcast early, uh, at least right after the weigh-ins. 
you know, um, it, you know, I want to do earlier than that, but at least I want to hit it by then. So yeah, this is to me is unprofessional, and I apologize for it. Okay, so let's get right into it. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go back if I do if I can continue the podcast, I will go back to the original format, along with doing the previews as well um, of the previous fights. Well, uh, the recaps rather, recaps and previews. Uh, all right, so light heavyweights, um, Jerry. Pro's, I think it's Pro Chaska. He looks huge. <laughs> that's a big dude, boy. Man, he looks yes. Yeah, <laughs> but he has a tall task ahead of him in Vulcan Astamir. Uh, very tall task ahead of him for that young man, for that 27 year old Vulcan, of course, 30. Uh, just another side note before I continue. Um, it, it, it did kind of weigh-ins, you know, um, at the weigh-ins, it did kind of bug me that, you know, Van Zandt is just a chub, <laughs> you know, she's just a chub, you know, talk, not, you know, she calls out all these strawweights, yet she herself knows that full well she can't even make flyweight, came in at the weight limit of 126, but so did her boss. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, and I know a lot of people say, well, the weight limit technically, you know, it's a pound. It's a pound exception outside of the championship fight. That doesn't mean that you come in at the weight limit, though. You know what I'm saying? That one pound exception don't, doesn't mean you come in at the, especially if you're moving up. If, you move, how do you, if you're moving up, how are you coming in one, at the one pound exception? That makes no sense to me, first of all. But it's just, it's bizarre to me. May not be a big deal, but I think, you know, because sometimes, because we've seen, you know, weight limit or overweight at times, sometimes they use that to cheat. I think that with Cavillo, I know a lot of people like Cavillo, but look, I think that she used that to cheat when she was in straw weight. Same with, ironically, who she went up against, just Guy, used that to cheat coming in at 131. That's, I think, just, just the weight that she can only maintain. I don't think she can really go truly to 125 unless it's an emergency like with the title fight but uh you know we've seen with her perfect example she comes in overweight again she's sluggish can't figure it out you know she can't use it to her advantage like she did in a prior fight and she's not the type to lay on people like Cavillo does I just I, that's another thing another factor another key factor there um so yeah it may not be a big deal at all but yeah I just thought that was something worth noting. Uh, and um, Volk, of course, came in at 205.5. Very, you know, again, I'm not worried there about him making weight. Making weight. And, and, you know, Volk's another example. I mean, he fought at both, he fought at heavyweight. So for him to come in and constantly make weight, whether it's, a t you know, on the nose. Same with Jessica Andrade, because Rose came in at the weight at 126, which was odd. You know, um, and again, I know like, this may not be a big deal, but just, you know, Pat Berry, head coach, coming at 126, it just, I mean, 116, uh, and, you know, Jessica on the, on the nose. She's a bantamweight that can constantly, that constantly makes 115 on the nose, regardless whether it's a title fight or not. You see what I'm saying? Constantly professional, constantly sharp weight. That's the job to make weight and constantly, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that, you know, 
like some red flags there. Maybe just me blowing things way out of proportion. Okay, so Vulcan. Because two Volks on here. When I I like to use Volk for nowadays for Alexander uh, Volkanovsky. I usually like using Volk for him. Um, but anyway, uh, <laughs> Vulcan. Coming off of a two fight win streak, he is three and he is two and three in his last five. But again, those three loss, those three recent losses were up against some very very tough opponents. Uh, no big deal, big deal there. He is six and three or six and five, five and three. I'm sorry, five and three in the UFC. Very important to note. Twelve finishes via strikes, one submission, four decisions, one finish in you know. Of course, we saw that uh, finish, that one and only finish uh, via strikes. Two submission losses and one decision. So this, you know, hopefully we get, uh, you know, again, light heavyweight. Hopefully you see uh, lights out affair here. You know, hopefully uh, Volk will utilize that kickboxing, um, the kickboxing that he's known for. I think it's Jerry, not Jerry. I think it's Jerry. 26 and 3 and 1 for the big man. And I think it's Denisa is the nickname for him. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> I don't want to mess that up. Six, as we saw, six foot four. He's a big dude, okay? Big dude. With a ridiculous finishing rate. Okay, only one decision. Victory for him. The rest have all been by finish. Two submissions. This should be violent. This should be true violence. Uh, has lost via finish twice and was subbed only once in his career. This should be some quality violence right here. Okay, seriously. Should be some serious violence right here. He is on a long. <laughs> he's coming. He uh, well, he's he's out of resin, as a lot of people should know. And yeah, he's on a ridiculous winning streak. Ten fight win streak. So yeah, this is. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I feel for Volk in this matchup. Uh, minus 170 favorite for Vulcan and Jury is, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Jury. Anyway, plus 140 underdog. And I know a lot of people have Vulcan, but I would slide some change on the underdog. You know, that's what I always say anyway. Put some money on the underdog. And if you're just doing your picks, don't be surprised. I know it, it sh should be because it's, you know, Vulcan Austin in here, but eh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, next up is Elezio Zaleski Dos Santos. The man who ruined my line bet 
when he defeated Alexei Konchenko. Man, by decision at UFC Fight Night Brasilia 170. Just messed my whole thing up. Ah, boy. You know. But yet he is a Scorpio, baby. November 12th, 1986. I feel real old. 33 years old. Former jungle fight welterweight champion, Muay Thai fighter, who is a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Cristiano Marcelo. 14 finishes via strikes, including a devastating head kick, followed by punches of against uh, Sean Strickland at UFC 224. Was on a seven-fight win streak before uh, losing to Leach. He is 4-1 uh, in his last five, 9-2. Loss via uh, for uh, loss via KO to Leach. Uh, he is nine and two in the UFC. Three submissions, five decisions. Lost twice by the submission and three by decision. And he's going up against Muslim Salikov. Salikov, yeah. And uh, of course, uh, Dos Santos is twenty-two and six overall. Muslim is. 16 and 2, 36 years old, 69 inch, 69, 69.5 inch reach on a three fight win streak. Yet another fighter who defeated Melvin Gallard. Like, man, Melvin just couldn't get a break, boy. 4 and 1 in his last five, 3 and 1 in the UFC. This will be a contest contest at welterweight. Not a big, huge gap between the two of them. Muslim was a slight favorite in this matchup, although I can see Dos Santos getting this done. Uh, so yeah, favor Vulcan. So just to as a to recap so far, I think that Usman can take it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Max could get a victory, but I really do believe that Alexander the Great will score a victory there. Uh, bantamweight. I just think that because Jose Aldo will just box and not utilize his kicks like he used to, or his grappling, which again uh, we've seen in the past that Jan has some good takedown defense. You know, can't shouldn't force the takedown at all. But you know, if it did went to the ground. Uh, Jose would certainly win, but I think if it's boxing, then Jan would win. I just, he is a legend. I know he's a great striker, but I just really think without his main weapon, he just can't, won't be able to get it done. Certainly, he's having problems winning via points. He does get, um, he does take damage, and I just don't think that it's a good idea to bang with Jan. I think Jan can get it, get that done and become champion, but I would not be surprised if Jose gets a victory. I mean, he's a legend, has so much experience, is truly a well-rounded fighter. I can see him winning. And of course, between Paige Van Zandt and uh, Andrade, I favor, uh, I mean, I Paige Van Zandt and Andrade. You talk about somebody getting destroyed, boy, man. Paige would be put out of uh, MMA if she went up against Andrade. Uh, Thug Rose. I think that Thug Rose should get it done. But I'm not going to be surprised. I would not be surprised if Andrade, if Power Driver does it again. 
You know, I think that Rose truly is underestimating the little weight thing, being trained by Pat Berry, him being head coach. I just think there's too many red flags there. And that Andrade, because she does have KO power, one punch KO power. And Rose has to watch out for too much. She has to watch out. And she, she was backpelling with Andrade, something that she doesn't really do. She really dictates the pace. She dictates her footing. When she... One of the key elements to me when she defeated Joanna M. Jacek is that she controlled where she was during the fight and controlled where Joanna was for the most part. She wasn't backpedaling constantly, and she was doing that against Andrade. And a lot of people think that Jessica's the same fighter she was when she was defeated by Joanna M. Jacek. She's not. And a lot of people aren't paying attention to their victories because they think that somehow a Claudia Gedalia is all of a sudden mediocre. You know, if you're going to look at resumes, if you're going to go by resumes and use fight math, please pay attention to Andrade's resume. Okay. Um, uh, I'm afraid for Rose. I've said that on Twitter. I, I really do think that she may get knocked out again. She should win, but I really do think she may. In fact, I would definitely put some money on Pile Driver. If there was any, you know, talk about funds and money, I think that's money right there. In terms of underdog pick, I also don't trust Amanda Hibaz versus Paige Van Zandt. I don't trust that at all. I think that Van Zandt could get it done. I usually don't avoid, you know, when it's a huge underdog uh, like that. So far, huge favorites have been winning, though. Okay, so really, I mean, with the injuries and everything, Paige should get picked completely apart. But I, I think that, again, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. This is a bad plan. Habash should be going up against a ranked fighter. She should have chosen a ranked fighter instead of obsessing over Paige Van Zandt. All that name recognition and all that kind of BS. Hey, look, she made it to the main card for a pay-per-view. Good for her. But please. Because if she went up against, say she waited. Because um, when Angela Hill was sitting around calling people out and she was like, well, look, what, you know, ask the fans who should she fight next. I, myself, and a few others you know, recommended Michelle Waterson. She could have easily thrown her hat in there and be like, hey, 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 let me and you, and then rallied and fought to get it on, at least even if it's just a prelims. Could have easily gotten that fight on this event. Angela's always ready to go. Should have flushed that. Because the thing is, especially with Angela being ranked, if Habas had lo loses, she still will stay in the same ranks that she is instead of fighting someone who's not even ranked at all whether it's strawweight or flyweight. All right, so let's get back, though, to uh, the next UFC fight, which will be at featherweight in the prelims. Makawan Amakani. Now, he's another person. Well, he's not another person, but he's an individual who, and on a side note, again, I don't get into politics, but he, um, his background, Mr. Finland, he's someone that you have to really look, research talk about race relations, Black Lives Matter, causes like that. Because Rose, I think she got a lot of hate recently because she came out in favor and support of multiple causes. She said it more than once that she supports multiple causes like that. Why, are any, why should anyone be surprised? You know, it's sad that they look at skin color and skin color is supposed to dictate who they're supposed to root for. I think that's ridiculous. That's idiotic. But yeah, um, Mr. Finland is someone who you got to really check out his background his upbringing, and a lot of things that he went through. And you understand why individuals 
another fellow Scorpio. He was born uh, November the 8th, owner of a first-round eight-second KO of Andy Agol. Agole, or is that Agole? One of the fastest KO knockouts in UFC history. The 31-year-old Mr. Finland is a uh, Turku Muay Thai fighter who was also an amateur boxer. His wrestling accolades include 2012 Finnish Cup 74 kilogram, 160 feet, 163 pounds. Freestyle wrestling champion, 2012 Cup 70 at 74 kilograms. Greco-Roman wrestling champion, 2013 Cup as well. Greco-Roman wrestling champion, 2013 Finnish Finnish trying to pronounce it correctly, national Greco-Roman wrestling bronze medalist. He is unfortunately coming off of, I mean, body shot, uppercut combo <laughs> from Shane Burroughs. Uh, yeah, at UFC 244. Okay, he is 3-2 uh, and two in his last four, in his last five. He has one finish via uh, striking. The rest have all, for the most part, been submission. Ten victories and four decisions. One loss via submission and two losses via decision. And he is, and at featherweight, he is going up against Dan the Hatchet Henry, six feet tall, seventy inch, seventy point nine inch reach, coming off of an RNC loss to Dan Ige. Last March in uh, round one at UFC on ESPN5, which snapped a five-fight win streak. Only one other loss in ten fights, by the way. Five finishes via strikes, five submissions, 5.85 strikes absorbed, 4.84 per minute. Owns a 39-second guillotine choke victory over Hakeem Dawundu. He opened at plus 170 underdog. He's last I saw he was at plus 170 still. Same with uh Makwan being the favorite at Makwan. <laughs> minus 215 now as far as I saw according to DraftKings minus 215. So uh yeah, I think that uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it's grappler versus primarily someone who's primarily a striker who also does have five submission victories, so he understands grappling. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not liking the favor in this matchup. I kind of favor Dan the Hatchet in this contest, who is 12-3 and three overall. And the two fighters at lightweight who will start off the regular prelims, Leonardo... Silva Dos Santos, 17 and 4, 40 years old. Now, age is a factor, so I kind of am a little worried about his chances here. Out of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 6 feet tall, 75 inch reach. But here's the thing, even though at 40, I'm worried about him, you know, and I know, I know, He's been doing well. Five fight win streak. However, here's something though. Even don't worry about him because it's age. Here's the thing though. Roman is going up against one of 
the best jiu-jitsu practitioners going. Okay, Santos started training in jiu-jitsu when he was five years old under the elite Wendell Alexander, co-founder of Nova Unano, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Three finishes via strikes, nine via submission, four by decision, one disqualification, one draw. But here's the thing. First place, CBJJO World Cup, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005. First place at Abu Dhabi Combat Club, which is what ADCC stands for, Brazilian Trials. 2005, second place at the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation, second place IBJJF World Championship, third place, same same place World Championship 2000, fourth place ADCC World Championship 2005, beat George St. Pierre with a flying armbar back in 2005. In Abu Dhabi, Leo is a fourth-degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, 6-0 in the UFC. He is opening at a minus 190, now still at a minus 190 for a reason. Okay, Roman Bogatov, I hope he can get his striking together. <laughs> okay, 29 years old, 5'9", he is currently undefeated, undefeated making his UFC debut. Five submissions of his own, three decisions. Former M1 Challenge lightweight champion, UFC uh, has a partnership with M1 Global that allows champions to sign with the UFC. And uh, he's a plus 150. Opening at plus 150 is still a plus 150 for a reason. Even though don't worry about that age. Again, in other words, if you're going to put some money on your underdog, this might be a fight where you put some money on the underdog. However, Leo should destroy this dude and continue his streak. All right, so that closes out the prelims. So going to stop here and get into the early prelims. Okay, everyone. So, uh, and again, I apologize. I can't apologize enough for being so late with this background noise. I apologize also. Yeah. So, um, again, I hope I can continue the podcast. But, um, yeah, probably will still have to take a break, though. Uh, yeah. You know, um, I try to throw some input on there on Twitter as much as I can. And again, thank you all for your support up and you know, this entire time. It's, it's just been, even for individuals who haven't really listened to the podcast, but um, just show love on uh, Twitter whenever I advertise up, um, when uh, the podcast is up. I'm, th- I'm thankful for that also. You know, this is, you know, a time when I release it, especially this one, I can certainly understand, you know. Um, and then sometimes it's not a bad thing, you know, listen to the podcast afterwards because then you can see if I was right or not. <laughs> Instead of trying to remember and then going back or then listening again, you know, I, hey, so maybe that's not a bad thing, you know. But, you know, I try to get this out there, get the information out there because I think a lot of times people, you know, as I kept harping on the main event and certain fights in the main event during this episode, because sometimes you just, you got to, it's, it's a lot of the context. There's a lot of ele- other elements. It's not just what you saw in the past. And it's part of the reason why fight math is so hard 
to work. Uh, and this, this during this um, fights during the pandemic, <laughs> throw fight math in the trash. Okay, <laughs> throw it in the trash, man. Because um, it's just like you just don't know it. Because in other words, a lot of this isn't the fighters' faults. You know, it's it's not it's not their fault. They're trying to do something that they think they can do. But, uh, yeah, I learned the hard way that this quarantine and the pandemic and everything and all these different elements, it affects people. It's affected me, and it's tough to get around. So um, these fighters feel as though, and again, hey, man, I thought I was, un, you know, I thought I was invulnerable at 30 years old, too. So, you know, and some of these fighters are really, really young. Yeah. Eh. You know, so, okay, let's get back and let's get into it, okay? Starting out the early prelims, headline of the early prelims will be a heavyweight battle between Marcin Tabora and Maxim Maximus Grisham, who is 30 and 7 and 2. Uh, Tabora is 18 and 6. Two big dudes are going to go at it. And, you know, again, you know, we hear heavyweight, and it's like, ooh, I don't know, I don't know. And, yeah, so just real quick, yeah, I thought it was an island, too. I thought they were fighting on a beach, too. <laughs> Thankfully, they're not. Thankfully, they're not. It's in a, you know, because I'm like, that's how I, I remember Yaz Island. I remember the fights that took place there. And I'm like, they were inside. Like, what is this? So, yeah, you know. But I remember it was hot. If I remember correctly, I remember it was hot. So that's another thing. Please bear in mind that some of these fights may be just, I don't want to say trash, but they may not be all that great. And heavyweight battle, eh, I don't know. A lot of heat, I don't know. So hopefully, and no crowd may help. Certain arenas, sold out crowd, recipe for a lot of heat and just uncomfort. So anyway, uh... We have Tabora at 34 years old. Coming off of, and uh, Tabora is coming off of decision victory. Uh, February, UFC Fight Night 169 against Sergei Spivak. And uh, yeah, I think I uh, lost. Uh, I think that messed up the line bet also. Another, another Scorpio. <laughs> November the 9th for Mr. Tabora. Yeah, baby. You know, who is the former M1 Global Heavyweight Champion and M1 Grand Prix 2013 Heavyweight Champion. And he is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Seven victories via strikes, six submissions, five decisions. He had, you know, again, he has six losses, four were by way of strikes, and two by decisions never subbed. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. He is two and three in his last five, though. Outside of Sergey victory, his last victory was against Stefan Struve by decision way back UFC fight night in July two July second, twenty eighteen. That was uh UFC fight night one thirty four, by the way. But you know, he just you know, it's heavyweight. So, sooner or later, you're going to go up against, you know, just some dangerous fighters. And that's what he, unfortunately, has been the victim to. Five and five in the UFC. 
Maximus uh, coming 36 years old, as I said, coming in at six foot three. He has a 76 inch reach. Uh, had a draw against uh, Jordan Johnson. He prior to that, he, if I remember, if I got it correct, he did defeat him uh, via decision uh, PFL to uh, 2019. So yeah. Seven fight win streak for uh, for this in, for this gentleman right here. Also making his UFC uh, another not also but another fighter making his UFC debut. And it's the thing, you know, it's like they're uh, you know like they're you know it's just like they like keep the fighters that you have, and then you end up getting rid of them and then only to search for more fighters uh, uh, I, don't know. I don't know okay so 15 finishes via strikes for maximus six submissions uh you know he's um not sure what we're going to get out of this fight you know what i mean uh he's a good counter puncher maximus uh, uh the money lines uh as far as i know are pretty much the same yeah, you know, so uh Christian has scored fifty percent of his wins. As as I just said, you know what I mean? Uh he's a high finisher, has high finish rate. Tabor, um fifty percent takedown accuracy rate. So you can kinda see where the fight will go in that regard. So um so and again I'm going from top to bottom for the early for the whole entire event but for the early prelims this is why you see why i go in the other order so this way it's by what fight comes first you know what i mean because um, then you'll be looking at your you know if you're betting or whatever the case may be and you're looking at it, it's like you know because actually martin day you know he's starting off the early prelims but yeah i'm going from th this is why i like the other order better so definitely going to go back to that. Next up, we have Roland Paeva in a flyweight battle against Joglas Joglas Zumagulov. There, who? <laughs> Zumagulov, 31 years old, five foot five. Uh, his his reach out. We just have to figure it out when we watch him fight. <laughs> Uh, I haven't found any uh, information on it. Uh, fought Tyson Nam. Did you know that he fought Tyson Nam back at Global 86? Yeah, 13-3, four-fight win streak, all by decision making his UFC debut. Six wins via strikes, one sub, and one decision. Paiva. Paiva. Yeah, there we go. Roland Paiva. 24 years old, 19 and 3, four victories via strikes, including a KO victory over Mark De La Rosa, 3 and 2 in his last five, 2 and 2 in the UFC. Lost once by Dr. Stoppard's submission via Anaconda Choke and split decision against Kaya Carl France at UFC 234, three submission wins, 12 victories via strikes. As far as I know, he's out of Team Alpha Mel. And uh, he, uh, and a lot, again, a lot of the opening 
bets, betting lines have been pretty much the same throughout. Uh, there's not been too many changes. The only change I can see is probably in the main event. Uh, but yeah, Paiva is the minus 190 favorite. But yeah, um, the lines haven't changed. Um, Paiva is the minus 190. With, uh, with Zuma Gulov <laughs> coming in at a plus 155 underdog. Uh, I do favor. Uh, this this should be a good fight. This should be a, a good fight right here. And uh, But, yeah, I think the favorite may take it. But, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset there. Okay. So, but, yeah, this, yeah, I really would rather do the regular order like I usually do it. So, next up, at Bantamweight, we have the way overweight <laughs> Vanessa Mello thinking that this is a featherweight fight. It's not featherweight, sweetheart. It's, it's Bantamweight. Came in at 141. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which is, come on. <laughs> what the hell? So I, I know she's going to lose. <laughs> I know she, yeah, I know she's going to lose. But okay, no, but no, seriously, no. Um, because the thing is, she's primarily a striker and she's going up against an elite grappler. So I don't favor the, because we, and again, we saw what happened with a striker going up against an elite grappler before and it was the grappler who because they could strike not great but could they became victorious because it's like they can always go to the ground and were out striking their opponents and here is no different now mellow vanessa is a decent she has the she she has kind of the i don't know how i say like the mechanics to be a good counter puncher but again, here she is coming in overweight, which will probably mean that she'll come in sluggish. And she's probably going to get the snot beaten out of her. Uh, she was an underdog for a reason. You know, 5'5", um, 65-inch reach, which probably won't mean anything out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. On a two-fight losing streak was uh, on a five-fight win streak prior. Scored a United unanimous decision win against Molly McCann back in 2015. I just want to throw that in there. She's not bad. You know, she could be, I think, an excellent counterpuncher, but it, it takes a lot. You know, a lot of people think, and, and a lot of grapplers, sadly, a lot of wrestlers in particular, think that striking is the easier route because they think it takes less cardio. And that's false. That is completely false. Uh, and that was, uh, she defeated Molly McCann back at XFC International 12. She is 3-2 and two in her last five. 0-2 oh, in the UFC. One more loss and she'll probably get the boot. 10-7 and seven overall. Uh, two submission victories. Uh, all her other wins have been by decision. So, yeah, this is, yeah. I can see her getting cut after this fight. Whether she wins or loses. But no, nah, no, nah, I'm kidding. If she wins, she should, uh. It'd be very. It would be a good win, a good victory over uh, Rosa. Now, Caroline Rosa Cavido, five foot six, twenty-five years old. As we saw, uh, wasn't a big difference in height, but yeah, five foot six, uh, sixty-seven inch reach, three-fight win streak. 
canceled match against Julia Avila. So we'll see what happens. Julia is, they sent her out to <laughs> to assassinate Shonda Dobson. I've, I don't know why. Like, what 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 does she do? Like, y'all really don't like her, do y'all? Um, yeah, uh, Raging Panda is no joke. Okay. Uh, Black Belt and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fought and defeated the dreaded dreaded Jessica Andrade by unanimous decision in her and only her fourth fight back in September 13, 2014 at Cop PX Bar Fight One. No, I'm pronouncing that wrong. Started her career off right with a victory over Laura Risopka. Resopio. Resopico. Ah, missed it. <laughs> I swear, I'm going to get my, I'm going to get, because, you know, I'm studying, trying to refresh my uh, memory with Spanish, trying to get here, Italian, and Portuguese. So, yeah, I'm trying to get the accent and the tongue roll, kind of screwed that one up. But, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, Laura, that was a good victory over Laura. So, um yeah, this is this is a good fighter. Now, how far she'll make out the chain and Bantamweight, I don't know. Um, she's a, what I like about her though is it's she'll stick to the striking. She doesn't panic that I've seen. Now, anything things can change, but from what I've seen, she doesn't panic Russell, which is a good thing. That's so important not to panic Russell. You know, grapplers need to get their striking together. Strikers need to get their grappling together. You know, nothing wrong with leaning toward your strength but at the same time don't you know again don't panic grapple as uh dc would say panic wrestling uh and i'm taking that a step further by saying panic grappling you know she doesn't do that which i think is very good if it goes to the ground she starts to work um so i think that she would be if she can get her striking together you know because a lot of good strikers and banner weight i know People look down on the division, and for good reason. I mean, you know, uh, kind of a lack of consistency going on there. But, you know, again, the women, it's not the women's fault. They keep going up against tough fighters because everyone, it's just like every other fighter is tough. Tough matchup for them. But, yeah, um, Rosa should completely dominate that fight. But, again, Melo, it might end up competitive if Melo comes in there. I don't, again, that, that being overweight is an issue. But she is she has the mechanics for being a good counterpuncher. I think that's better than volume, depending on the matchup, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, Rosa is the minus 205 favorite for a reason. Melo open at a 1 plus 165. That's prob that gap's probably spreading further. Do not bet on that fight at all. And... Starting off the early prelims, we have Martin Day. Uh, this will be a bantamweight contest, a fight to pay attention to. I know a lot of people. Look, you can't go by the UFC. Okay, I know men's band, men's and women's bantamweight is a little shaky right now. Men's and women's flyweight is a little shaky right now. But it's like, look, if you're going to... Because I know there are fans of men's flyweight in particular. Most men only watch women's flyweight because of Valentina Shevchenko, which is sad. And uh, these are two big bantamweights. But, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I, uh, I know. 
You know what I mean? But uh, look, you got to pay attention because we have had a lot of we have a lot of uh, women's flyweights coming in. They have truly been trying to show up at these events. Okay, and I think that UFC is endorsing it because they want to get that solid number two or number three just in case because Valentina was supposed to be back now, but she had surgery to um, because really because the leg wasn't healing, I believe, properly. So she went and had surgery to help it heal faster or heal properly or whatever the case may be. Still, injury to the leg. We saw what happened to Jose Aldo after his injury. Now, I think it was more than one injury because a lot of people talk about the injury sustained versus uh, the Korean zombie. But I believe it was another one with Holloway. So it wasn't just the one, I believe. Okay. But, um, and again, who knows what's going on with these fighters? You know what I mean? They could have, could have had injuries prior and, you know, they just try to fight through it. And then there's money and then they're trying to get paid, all that kind of stuff, which is understandable. We all work through that. We go to work sick or not feeling well, whatever the case may be, injury or whatever. We, we try to, you know, power through, as it were. So, um, you know, so I think they're like, you know, this is because the thing is, if Rose Namahunas wins, then and because the way straw weight is changing, Magnum will be busy. So that pushes the super fight between her, the possible super fight between her and Valentina further apart. We have uh, and also pushes still don't know what's going to happen with Nunez her retiring if she may retire that pushes that away they're trying to get that solid number two in so my point is with these divisions men's ban on weight women's ban on weight well it's not much to really pay attention to at women's ban on weight i mean let's be honest but fly weight for both divisions still pay attention to them you know still take note of these fights and fighters like these two individuals right here okay all right so uh, 73 inch reach for well 70 inch reach uh, for the Spartan uh, Taekwondo practitioner coming off of a loss to Pinyon Lu or Lu Pinyon, which was split uh, decision, if I remember correctly. Three fight, one street prior, 0 and 1 in the UFC, 3 and 2 in his last five. Dangerous. Davey. Jeremy Grant, 34 years old, five foot eight, 69 inch reach out of Bishop Auckland County, Durham, England. Purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, two and three in his last five, four and three in the UFC. Remember that purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. We've seen some. Well, I, I well I've seen some. Well, we have we seen we all have seen some very talented purple belts. Okay, some very very truly talented purple belts you know this year so uh doing really this year and yet last year really doing their thing doing their thing okay so um another thing too i'm going by the schedule that i have right now so i'm not even sure if this fight's still going on hopefully it is okay hopefully it is okay um but yeah dangerous davy uh has one finish via strikes he uh lost by submission prior to his streak to Del Dargan. Eight submission victories total, two by decision. No, wait. 
Yeah, so two victories by decision and four submission losses. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how this goes. Um, did lose, but, but I mean, you know, Manny Bermudez, you know, chubby boy. <laughs> uh, the man who can never make weight, man. You know, I, I'm not even going, <laughs> I don't even know why I brought that up. <laughs> I don't even know why I brought that up. God, I'm glad he's gone. I'm sorry. I'm glad Bermudez is gone, man. I was tired of him constantly coming in there and missing weight, knowing he's a grappler, so he's just going to lay on the person. You know what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with that. But it's like you're overweight. It's cheating. God, man. I, ooh. Yeah, he always bugged me. Well, anyway, so the opening lines that I had for Martin Day was he was the favorite, minus 175. Davey, plus 145. I believe that that's will be that Martin will score the victory there. But again, Davey is a uh, purple belt. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But again, nothing worse than panic, grappling. Uh, as well, as again, I reiterate those DC saying panic wrestling, but, you know, and I preface that with panic grappling. So, yeah, that is it. Usually it's the other way around. Usually I'm finishing off the main event. I want to thank everyone who has ever listened. Again, I can't say it enough. Greatly appreciate it. Hopefully I can continue doing this. Uh, if not, it has been fun. Thank you all. Please stay safe. Please stay positive and stay vigilant. You guys take care. Have an excellent weekend. It is fight day, people.